0: Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The Gospel passage from John appointed for today is a familiar one to many of us. The first part of this passage is one of the texts suggested for the burial rite in the Book of Common Prayer and is frequently selected by grieving families. Since coming to St. Anne's a year or so ago, I have heard it proclaimed and preached on numerous occasions at funerals and memorial services. It always speaks to me for it is a statement of Jesus's promise to us in the face of our darkest fears. The fear of loss. The fear of separation from what we hold dear. The fear of suffering the fear of death and of death's finality. These fears are real and justified, for at some point, even if we may seem to be living charmed lives, suffering parts the curtain and enters the room. This is the case on both the macro and the micro level. For the former, there are the over 100,000 Americans who have died of COVID-19 to date. For the latter, our own parish community has experienced what feels to some like an inordinate amount of loss and has held quite a few funeral and memorial services in this sacred space in the recent past. Not long ago, after one such service, a devoted parishioner sighed and commented to me, so much death, too much. It seemed that suffering had parted the curtain and entered the sanctuary. Saint Stephen was no stranger to suffering, as we heard in the first lesson from the Book of Acts. His gruesome martyrdom is depicted in the image on the front of today's bulletin. How he must have suffered as the stones were hurled at him over and over again. Neither was Jesus, of course, a stranger to suffering. And when he gave a loud cry and breathed his last, suffering didn't merely part the curtain. The curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. Then and now, there are times when it does seem as if there is so much death, too much. I live near the National Cathedral in D.C. and can hear the bells ring from my home. Over the past few years, as the death toll from COVID-19 reached each 100,000 mark, 100. Two hundred, three hundred, nine hundred, a million. The cathedral's great sonorous Borden bell tolled in remembrance. One toll, just one, equaled 1,000 souls lost to the virus. I will never forget the final time that 12-ton morning bell tolled when our nation officially passed the one million mark last May. The bell rang out over Northwest Washington 1,000 times, which took several hours. And then, as the last sounds vanished, there was also one additional, final toll to acknowledge, the ongoing threats from the virus. And here at St. Anne's, when we hold special funeral and memorial services for loved ones, we toll our bell after the service ends. Bell tolling is a way of broadcasting to the world that we're saying goodbye to someone who's beloved. Over four centuries ago, John Donne, the English poet, scholar, soldier, and priest, penned the iconic poem, For Whom the Bell Tolls, in which he explored the interconnectedness of humanity. Using such language as, no man is an island, Dunn emphasized the necessity of human relationships with such phrases as, no man is an island entire of itself. Each is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. And... Each man's death diminishes me for I am involved in mankind. Therefore, send not to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. In today's gospel passage from John, with death knocking on the door, Jesus shares a message of Connection, of community, of caring, of faith over fear, love over loss. The setting is Jesus' parting words to his disciples The foot washing is over, Judas has vanished and Jesus tries to explain to his closest followers that he will soon be leaving them, going where they cannot follow. He's already made the hurtful comment that Peter will deny him three times in the coming hours. Peter, the rock on which Jesus had earlier said he'd build his church. In the midst of this confusion, doubt, betrayal, and despair, Jesus offers blessed assurance. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he tells James, Philip, and the other disciples, who are troubled and fearful of the future. I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. This conversation between Jesus and his disciples took place before the great three days. But we, of course, two millennia later, hear it with Easter ears and envision it with resurrection eyes. Later in today's Gospel passage, Jesus continues, very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Our work as Easter people is to know and believe God dwelling in each of us and then to participate in the work God is calling us, calling us to in this world. This is our resurrection-shaped calling, to accept the invitation to enter into a partnership with Jesus, into his mending, healing, reconciling ministry, and to be propelled by love to seek the good, to search for all that heals, mends, and reconciles, even when suffering parts the curtain and enters the room, even when death tries to have the final word. An awareness and an acceptance of the finitude of earthly life is not being morbid. Rather, it allows us to be present in the here and now, in this world, Sunday, May 7th, 2023, with all its beauty and ugliness, joy and sorrow, even as we believe that Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for us in eternal life. Like the disciples, we are all called to live a life worth living. The question for us is what are we doing here and now to prepare for that place that is being prepared for us? Jesus assured his disciples that even though their relationship was changing, it was not ending. And as Christians, our true home ultimately is not focused on place, but rather on relationship with our Creator and with each other. As people of faith, we can experience the reality of this relationship when we do the work that Jesus asks us to do, when we support those in need, welcome strangers, care for the ill, when we comfort the brokenhearted and allow ourselves to be comforted. When we love one another as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, that is when God's love dwells in us and makes a home in us. The parishioner who commented that there'd been so much death, too much, after yet another funeral in this sacred space, later emailed me with the following words, which I use with permission. Listen closely, for these words echo Jesus' call to be in relationship. And I quote, It's sad, yes, but it also provides us the opportunity to serve people who are in need. It's what we do. It's why we do what we do. My brothers, sisters, and siblings in the living and risen Christ. Let's go forth from this place today and do it. Amen.